Perfect. Yo, welcome to Stars Podcast, the home of Growth Mindset Moment, where we break down the habits, hacks, and protocols the stars use while relentlessly moving forward to maximize our daily potential. If this is your first time, welcome to the fam. If you're a longtime listener, thank you for stopping back. Our guests range from entrepreneurs, C-suite pros, Web3, NFT, and crypto enthusiasts, jujitsu athletes, fitness instructors, mindset coaches, lawyers, and everything in between. They may seem different on the surface. However, when we start to break down the systems they all live by, we quickly realize we're all not so different after all. I'm your host, Ron Jordan, along with my co-host, Alyssa Jordan, coming out of Rosinante Studios in Slippery Rock, Pennsylvania. Let's get into the journey. Today, our guest comes from the Channel Islands. It's Beastract. He's an artist who creates original hand-painted artwork each piece is digitally enhanced and sold exclusively as one-on-ones. Symbolic abstract pieces draw inspiration from his work as a professional musician, beauty of nature and love, and travels through different cultures. He's also been a speaker on stages at NFT NYC and also at NFT London and other types of artist events. Wanted to talk a little bit more about the journey into artistry as well as a touring musician and now basically a manager for Emily Fay, um, which is a really unique perspective as well. So welcome to the show. Welcome, Jay. How hey, are you? Hey, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. I'm very, very good. I'm hoping my connection holds out a bit. Jersey's usually pretty good, but I think my connection's been a little bit dodgy lately. So hopefully that that's all fine. You can hear me all right. Yeah, we hear you loud and clear. So where does Jay, uh, where are you You're from? from? Well, I, I'm, it's a I'm not familiar with the Channel Islands. So I live in a place called Jersey. And um, when I head to the America, everyone thinks I'm from New Jersey, but I'm actually from the original OG Jersey, which is um, a tiny little island south of England, in between England and France in the Channel. So it's called Channel Islands. And it's really small. It's nine by five miles. It is I, I was born here. I grew up here. Uh, I moved to London for for five or six years, but I'm living here currently um, for a number of different reasons, but mainly because it's so beautiful here. This morning I woke up, I went to the beach. I went for a swim. Uh, there wasn't any surf today, but um, I, I relaxed and then came home and, and got on with some work. So it's a tiny little island, but it's gorgeous. It's really, so I really recommend anyone who goes to the UK um, it's a little 35, 40 minute flight from London and um, it's amazing. It sounds like someplace that I would love to be and we should add it to the list of I was just thinking go, the same actually. thing. She is always trying to go to the beach. Uh, we're only hours from the beach, but if it could be in the backyard, man, that would be an absolute uh, fine for us. No yeah. doubt about it. I also like anytime we travel, oh, if, if a beach is there, I'm best. I'm in it. <laughs> oh well you have to come to jersey and i'll take you around and you can jump in the car i've got surfboards for you i've got paddle boards and, and things and whatever you need um honestly it's such a good place and if you're in england it's a must because it's so so close um and there's you know not to get on it early but there's a really great jiu-jitsu community here we have um um, Braulio Estima is our like kind of ambassador for the island. So he comes over a couple times a year and he does amazing seminars. So um, there's stuff for both of you guys. 
No, unless you go down the beach and then well, I mean you go do some jiu-jitsu. See, <laughs> this is actually a really good idea. I, I like how this is shaping out already for me. I I I would uh, it's Father's Day in America, so happy <laughs> Father's Day, Ron. Um we've made vacation plans. Let's 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 wrap them up. Let's go. Let's do it. Yeah, no doubt about it. <laughs> so um, you said you grew up there uh, in Jersey, but you took a little stint in London. Um I'm curious like because I want to get into the journey into you being a, an artist and traveling musician and all of that, but that that obviously doesn't happen overnight. So, like, kind of run us through the early days of you dabbling into music and artistry in general. Yeah, I'd love to, yeah. So I I grew up really kind of from quite young being in bands and the classic kind of thing, you know, I'm 31 now. So when I was growing up, you know, internet was kind of just getting really popular in terms of like where I was from, it wasn't super huge. So you couldn't kind of, YouTube wasn't really around yet. I just had to learn music just by hearing and listening and, and trading notes with friends. And it was a really cool time to grow up with music. And it's, it's what I loved. I, I was, I found my absolute passion in it. And I think I was maybe 11 or 12 when I started playing instruments. Um, and I actually started on the bass. I know a lot of musicians and bass guitar players in particular start on other instruments and then fall into bass. But I generally, bass was the instrument for me. I, I jumped in it straight away and I was listening to old rock records, a lot of Iron Maiden and a lot of like very kind of classic rock stuff, which my dad was into. So that was really inspiring for me. And um, grew up in bands and playing and everything from Battle of the Bands to, you know, just being rubbish in, in a garage and practicing with friends for years and teaching myself as much as I could. Um, and then at the same time, you know, whilst going at school, I was doing art at like um, college and, at, you know, GCSEs, A-levels and college kind of um, time. So art, but art for me was always something that, if I'm honest, it was a hobby for, for, for many, many years. It's something I did for myself. I would paint, I, I'd, you know, I'd give people gifts as art pieces and, and I'd do that for fun and I'd experiment and play. But music was my career. Music became my career. After, you know, studying at, at college, I went to university. That's when I went to London and I left the Channel Islands and I moved to London to do my bass degree, my pop degree in popular music. But I still actually did art there at university and I, I just did it for me. Um, so that's something that's always kind of, it's good because I didn't have the pressure of having to have commercial success from art for many years. I was just able to experiment and find what I actually like to create. I was very lucky when I got to, to London. Um, I It's a very cool story actually. And it's one of those times I know I don't know how, you know, some people have different uh, perceptions of of fate and what they believe is, you know, if it's magic or if it's fate or if there's a higher power out there but this was a moment for me which i was like this is this is crazy i um i got to london i was studying my my music degree and i saw an advert on something called um gumtree uh for which is like craigslist i suppose in from america and it's like a you know loads of adverts out there and i just saw one it caught my eye and it was the very first advert i'd ever applied to as a musician and it just said wanted best bass guitar player in london so i was like oh, I'll, I'll apply for that so um below though the reason why i actually applied for it it listed some of my favorite musicians and bands um you know i like every music as most musicians do but i'd say some of my favorite kind of bands are the kind of surfy reggae rootsy kind of 
bands. A lot of them are American, actually, kind of like John Butler. John Butler Tree is Australian, but Dispatch and Xavier Rudd and and loads of like Ben Howard and loads of kind of that kind of scene that you get the idea if you know what the bands are. Anyway, they listed those bands and I was like, yeah, these are my favorite bands. I've got to apply for this band. So I applied for it and I get a message a few days later, a week later. And they said, are you from Jersey, Channel Islands? And I was like, I am, yeah. And it turns out that they were a Jersey band who had just moved to London, who I had actually grown up watching. Like they're a little bit older than me. They were eight, 10 years older than me. So they had moved to London and the, the manager goes, you know, I know you like, and I was like, wow. So, and, and I was, as I was applying for the advert, I was like, I wonder if this, is this applying for this advert is going to change my life in any way. Yeah. And it turns out it did, you know, that the band is called Lloyd Yates. Um, the singer is called Lloyd Yates and it's, um, he's the, the main songwriter for the band and the guys moved over to London. And I, I, I think I got the job because I was from Jersey. I'm sure a lot of other people applied and I'm sure they were much better than me, but <laughs> I got that job because I was from Jersey. And, um, we were very lucky to, um, you know, I jumped in at a good time when things were kicking off. Um, Lloyd signed with uh, the Lloyd Yates band signed to Sony. Um, and we were very lucky to, you know, gig and tour and and play around the UK and, and jump on some European tours with some amazing bands and, and, and some of my favorite musicians, you know, I got to meet some of my favorite musicians of all time, just because I played with this band and, and that's been wonderful. And that's, 10 years ago i'm still in the band now we still play i, I met lloydie the other night for a drink and and uh, the, the pandemic was tough that was one of the things it was tough for musicians not being able to gig and play um so that took a hit for all musicians not just us um but yeah we're getting ready to do some very cool stuff that's awesome so that's kind of my music can i <laughs> um, can i take you back story. to something because there was something that you said in your journey that like sparked something for me and it was the ease with which you seem to have had access to the opportunity to pursue music, not just as your passion, but as your career. And it was encouraged with your education. You went to university for it. And I think sometimes mm -hmm. in the United States, I don't know if that this translates over to the UK or not, but I feel like in the United States, we really discourage kids from pursuing those types of paths for careers um, we really push them towards like, that's great. You can play your bass on the weekends with your friends, but you got to go to college to, you know, be a corporate banker because that'll make your money so you can go do that for fun. Yeah. We rarely hear this encouragement or, or education system that promotes going and becoming formally educated in, in what you're passionate about and what you're, what you're good at, which is music. Uh, so I'm curious what that journey was like for you through that. And if was that something that your family was just wildly supportive of and you had that encouragement as a cultural thing? And what can we do better with that over here? I feel like you you this has been such a such a beautiful journey for you. And I want to help facilitate that for others here for sure. Such a good question. I absolutely, I, I absolutely love to go into it. I'm very, very lucky. I think for the first thing is I have very supportive parents. Um, you know, both my mom and dad. Um, they're not together, and they're separated. They separated when I was quite young, but they've still been. You know, they're the best supportive parents in the world. So that is, I'd say, the number one thing that's been very lucky. The second thing is um, Jersey. The education system in Jersey is very good, and you know, I'm I'm just 
so lucky and I can't say how how grateful I am for that. And they actually, I was able to be given a, um, a grant um, to cover a lot of my university fees, which is super helpful because I'm not someone who has come from a lot of money as in from my parents or myself. So that was extremely helpful to be able to pursue through that. And I was able to take, take out a loan to cover the rest of my student um, debt, which I was very lucky to pay for, you know, five years, I paid for after five years after university. So again, both those two things are super helpful in pursuing any career. Um, finance and support is, is amazing. I think, um, yeah, I was lucky that it's interesting because Jersey is a finance island, really. Like it is, um, I, th I can't remember the stats, but I think it's like in the top five of how much money goes through the island because of the tax system here, um, which actually I think is going to be would in the web three and crypto world because there's no capital gains tax and inheritance tax and things like that here. Um, I think it would be a, a web three hotspot. So I'm kind of getting ready for that in the future. But um, to the point is that most people here and um, friends of mine growing up, you know, long, long friends, they all work in finance, whether it's accountants or if they work as you know, anything in finance. And it, and it's amazing. And that's because it's the culture here that, that you can get those jobs. And it's, and it's interesting because um, I I got so much support, but it, it was one of those things when you're the struggling as a musician because it is hard to make a living as a musician. And I can go into that quite a bit because I've had to have lots of different jobs in the industry to kind of make it in general. Um, coming back and seeing friends, you know, earning that 50, 60, pound a year jobs, it's tricky when you're not earning that. And then, but what I think is quite wild is that, you know, they've been doing it for 10 years. And I found quite consistently that a lot of those friends are actually leaving those jobs because they've been doing it for 10 years and they, and not everyone, but a lot of them aren't fulfilled in, in their jobs because it's just something that's not passionate. So then now they're actually leaving those jobs to become musicians and to become artists and to pursue the careers that maybe they could have done that 10 years ago. I mean, everyone's different and they are, some of these people are very lucky not to have children yet. So, you know, it's, it's different for everyone's circumstances, but it's interesting now that they're kind of coming over to me, like, how can I make it as a musician 10 years, 10 years later, which is really interesting. Um, so yeah, I think, um, you have to remind me of your question again. Hopefully I answered it. Okay. But, um, and, and coming to doing my job as a musician, it's, it's tricky to make a job living as a musician. I could, I could, hours I could talk about, you know, how Spotify isn't the best for musicians and how it's come from, you know, record sales. And, and I'm sure everyone's done knows and done bits of research. And that's something I'm very passionate about as well is, is, is finding a way for artists and musicians to make a living in thing. And I think web three is really the key to that at the moment I, i'm very very passionate about but i've um I, we can go into that in a bit but in terms of musicians and how i've made a living it's everything from teaching i still teach to this day you know i have 40 students i teach a week one-to-one -one because um, i'm lucky that that that's I'm, I'm a session player so i'm in the studio in the daytimes i i had a gig last night um i was a very great gig beautiful it was a sun it was, a, it was actually quite a dreamy gig it was kind of on a sloped cliff with, I think it was about 1,500, 2,000 people there. And we were at the bottom 
and it was overlooked it's called the sunset festival and, and, it, and it literally mm. you everyone like has the view of the sunset and it's the most gorgeous view and um so yeah we played a gig last night and in a band called rude mood which is like a corporate covers band and um so yeah i've had loads of jobs in the music industry just to kind of make things work and i think that's one of the keys as well is how my art career has been as successful as it is because i i'm lucky not to have to rely on just art sales because i think that would be very tricky when the market turns and and i think it'll be i have my heart for all artists that have well, to I, do that i think too just having the the multiple streams of income coming in the way that you do is really important not only just for a musician i think it's important for all folks to be able to uh, have multiple ways to earn a living so if one thing starts to kind of die or or fade you can obviously you have other other ways to to earn a living i'm curious too how do you how do you continue to have actually you know what let me go back even further when you went and you applied for that position as the the best the best bassist in in london <laughs> you know some people never apply and I think that that's, that speaks volumes to where you were at in your process to even have the, the confidence to apply for something like that. Or was it out of necessity? I'm curious, like, what goes through that decision-making process for you, um, even if it's not particularly that situation, if you can't remember that, just times that you make decisions to, like, and you, and you move forward on that decision? Yeah, absolutely. And for the record, I don't think I'm the best bass player in London. I am. Um, I quickly realized after leaving Jersey, when you're in a, you're kind of the the big, what's the saying? You're the big fish in a small pond. And I went to London, and I realized I was fiercely average at bass guitar, um, even in my class, let alone in the rest of London. So, um, I think, um, I think, what it is is I'm. I, I have fairly good confidence. I'm not the super, I am actually very shy in most situations. Um, I think for me is, in t particularly in Web3 and in any opportunity, I kind of just go for it. A lot of the time is 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 the really just answer. If, if I see the opportunity, I think it's right for me. I'll, I'll apply or I'll make sure it, I kind of put myself out there, but not just that. If it's, if it's um, talking to someone in Web3 is very, great because everyone's very approachable so if i see there's an artist that's doing very well and i love their work and i said and, I, and i've many times just messaged them without being annoying and you know like respect them and their sure. boundaries but it would be you know i've introduced myself and say hey you know i love your work if you are interested in collaboration anytime in the future um please keep it in mind and um that's and it's either a yeah it's a yeah in the future that would sound great or it's a you know and it's or it's i'm not or it could be the worst thing is I'm actually not like the worst thing is I'm not really into your work. I don't think it's going to work. And I'm like, okay, cool. I don't think that's a, everyone's any, everyone's usually very polite, but that's the worst thing that they're going to do. They say they're not into it. Well, um, and in terms of other, like you going to say, yeah, I was just going to say, but that, that piece right there that you just talked about that rejection almost, you know, where they say, no, thank you. Do you think that that is, how have you made peace with that rejection? Oh, being a musician, you just got to make peace with that. It's just, <laughs> I imagine the same as being an actor or, or being musician, you know, like not everyone, you can't, not everyone's going to love your music. You don't take it personally? Not everyone's going to love Is the way it? you play. Not, 
Is that it? Is like, I, are you able to that's not take exactly it? Yeah. Um, you just can't take it personally. I mean, I mean, it's okay to take it personally. Like, I mean, I don't try and make it. Yeah, you're right. I don't take it personally. But if it is personal, if it's they generally don't like my mute, the way I'm playing, then that's fine. It's probably not right for them or not right for the band or not right for the style. I think one thing in music is I think is really important is um, is actually sometimes more than your playing is actually your attitude and the way that you are as a person. I've, I know so many, you know, situations in talking to people who have have the power to make you know, life-changing decisions for people, you know, who are the people auditioning people to get in certain bands. Some of these bands are, you know, the world's biggest bands. And often I will have the conversation, you know, how did you choose who, which one? And it would be like, I overheard them and, oh, this guy, yeah, he was an incredible player, but he he wasn't, it, we didn't vibe for him very well. And this guy, oh, he was so nice. He shook our hands, he came in, he had a laugh, he was great. And you kind of very quickly realize that, people getting those auditions they are is it, the fact that they can play is a given you're not going to be able to get the bigger high class auditions in music without being able to play really because it's just not going to happen so after that you just know it's about you they've got to live on a tour bus with you for six months mm -hmm. you know they, they're not going to hire even if you're the best in the world if you're a bit of a, a bit i don't know if you're allowed to swear if you're a bit of an yeah, asshole they're not going to hire you <laughs> So you almost, oh, it's almost you as though talent, um, talent becomes keep... the commodity at that point. And the attitude. We have a little delay, Ron. Yeah, oh, I, I, yeah, we do have like a little bit of a delay. So sorry if I keep talking over you. But I, I'm thinking here like. No, no, at all. The attitude that you talk about. This is something that we just talked about with our daughter the other day was, you know, everybody is able to play the game. We were talking about basketball, talking about soccer, talking about taekwondo, whatever. They're all able to play the game, but the those who seem to really shine are the ones who are able to take it in stride, take the defeat, be a sportsman about it, shake hands afterwards, be have a great attitude. Those are the ones who everybody wants to still continue to be around um, for the long term versus somebody who's really, really talented, but a complete asshole, for lack of better terms, uh, off the off the mats, mm -hmm. off the court, you know. And I think that the people who have those softer skills, like you're talking about, where they shake hands and they're nice about whatever, I mean, just kind of having that perspective to say, hey, it's, this may not be for you or, or whatever, whatever that rejection is, um, having that in your back pocket is sort of like a superpower. That's a superpower, 100%. I can't tell you... There, there has been plenty of times where I haven't been right for a certain situation, but I've got on with the person, you know, offering the opportunity and we've kept stay connected. Maybe it's we've gone for a drink or, you know, something like that afterwards. And an opportunity that has come up later on that did fit me, they've passed it on to me because of that situation. So it's, it is a superpower. Yes, that right there. And I talk about this in my day job all the time is... It, because I do, um, I'm a manufacturer's representative. So people who want to get in the utility space that don't have a sales force, like they contract with us. And any of my customers, I tell them, I say, hey, if you need something, just let me know. If I don't, if I don't have it, I'll make sure to get you in touch with somebody who does. And the people that I get them in touch with are the people you're talking about, the ones who I hang out with and I enjoy being around and I know that are upstanding in their word and 
follow through on what they say they're going to. And I know whenever I send my customer to that person, they're going to make sure that they're taken care of. I know that. And um, that, man, that right there is like such a golden piece of information for people that just because the opportunity is not great for you with this particular person at this particular time, it may happen later on for for them. They'll get in touch with somebody, just like you said, and be like, oh, man, that was B-Strike would be perfect for this. And then, bam, they contact you. I mean, that's just that's how this world works. And and it was it was funny, too, even going back, like even from where you're from, that it's it's all about who, you know, first off and putting yourself in the right position and then having the great attitude. I mean, that that's it. That's kind of the the secret, the secret to it, isn't it? Um, who who you know is is really in most industries that kind of works. And then, and I know it's not going to be that kind of nepotism style things, but you know, as a bass player, like I've, there's so many bass players out there. And if I'm going to de- um, give a, a gig to someone, if if I can't make a gig and I need to get someone else, I'm gonna message my friends because I know I can. That I know that they are dependable. If none of them, I think I will go to the agencies and I will go to this or I'll, you know, I'll look online. But really, I'll go, I know, I'll give Jimmy a call. He He's always there. He's a good player. I'll give him a call. It's done. And then I'll, within half an hour, I know that I've got a reliable, dependable bass player that can come and do the gig and it's fine. And that's just really it. And that's the secret to, to that. So, yeah, it is who you know, for sure. And that's the whole thing about this creating community. And we'll transition into Web3 now is we hear about community a lot. And I think that this part of, of community is exactly what you're, you're building. It, and if it's in the, the basis of all of London or where, whatever, like name, name the genre of profession and creating that community, jujitsu, for example, right? I mean, it, it's just with anything. Um, what do you think about cuz you're a web3 artist you you have abstract art I've, you have movement in your art which is fantastic and we'll get into that but like what are your thoughts about the word community in web3 I I mean in web3 it is it is web3 in my opinion it really it's everything in terms of how you make it as an artist, how you make it as a founder, how you make it, you know, how a collection succeeds or fails. It, it really is about the community. Um, because, I mean, that's the superpower of Web3. I mean, as a tip for artists, my my first tip is really find a community, find something that you, and not just anyone, just find one that you actually really like. You like their message, you like what they're about, you like the artwork of the PFP, you like this, whatever you do. And connect with people, engage with people, and genuinely connect with them. Don't just kind of like post random stuff. And and the connections that you make genuinely, like be yourself and genuine. That's how you progress in Web3 because they are the people, you know, I will help them out. They'll help me out. And everyone helps each other out in certain situations. And that's really the utility for a lot of PFPs. And different communities have a lot of the time attract a different type of person i'd say um not strictly but you'll have a lot of maybe you'll have a lot of musicians in this community you'll have a lot of artists in this community you'll have a lot of um DeFi people in this community so if you're if you find something that you're interested in go into that one and network that's that's really what the best utility of these communities is it's a, a network that you don't have to leave the house for you can do any time of the day and people are genuinely willing to help 
answer you questions, give advice. Um, so community really is everything. I've and, and and on the flip side as well, my partner and I, we started our own collection of of art pieces, and for that we 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 have built our own community of a couple hundred people. It's not a ten thousand people community, but it's it's growing, and um, it's hard. I feel I like I, we do it on such a small scale, and I really feel for a lot of the founders out there because some of them are doing amazing work, and man, like. If the market goes down and the floor prices goes down and, you know, even if your product is amazing and you're doing everything you can, but people, I mean, of course, people have invested their hard-earned money in this and they wanted a return on their investment. It's gone down and the only person to attack is the founder. So, and it's, it's I feel for them because like, I remember we released our 100-piece project. So it's not a, a big, big, you know, huge collection, only 100 of them. And very soon after, we were like, "Oh, what are you guys going to do? You know, the you know, how are you going to sell more? How are you going to do this?" And it's like, "Wow, give us give us one minute to figure, <laughs> figure out everything." You know, we've just minted, we've just done this. Um, I can't even imagine how that would be with ten thousand people who have put thousands and thousands of dollars into it. So I do feel the, for the founders there. But community, man, it's a, like when you say jujitsu. There's nothing. Jujitsu is a real life community where like. I get strangled by lots of people all the time and those people become brothers and sisters because it's like going through the pain of getting up early in the morning and getting battered by people seems to be um, something that brings community together. A common enemy. <laughs> exactly. Jiu-jitsu, listen, exactly. I don't do jujitsu, um, but I know about the community of jujitsu enough because I've observed enough to know that it's not so much about the common enemy. It's about what it looks like to suck at something and have to work really hard to get better at it. And even when you get better, you still suck. And there's camaraderie in that. Absolutely. And there's encouragement in that. And that's what the community is about is you're either going to train to get better. Or you're going to train to not get better. Or you're not going to train and you're not going to, and you'll get choked. Like that's what it's all about. So there's definitely community. And I think there's definitely a reason why, there's a lot of people in Web3 who also practice jujitsu because I think it's all very mm -hmm. much the same. You know, the whole concept of do your own research and, you know, be supportive and and be transparent and and exactly. be authentic. Like all of these different attributes that we find have have really been the basis for building community in Web3 definitely has has a, a a, a common thread that pulls right through uh, jujitsu and other martial arts, frankly, like it's all very, very cultural, I think anyway. Absolutely. I had this really interesting idea, which I was chatting to some of the jujitsu guys. And it was, you know, like, how could you bring Web3 into jujitsu? And I, I read a whole document and I, I went overboard and we were having a drink and I was like, this, you could do this and you could do this. One, but one of the things that I really think would be interesting would be, um, it was kind of at the time when soulbound tokens were oh please just tell coming me out and i was like mm -hmm. please tell me oh and I, and I was like man wouldn't it just be so good just to have even if you started with black belts soulbound token for black belts every time you get your black belt you are given from you know whichever jiu-jitsu school you're at or if there's a, a general one which would be even better you get your soulbound black belt token boom that is unequivocal proof that you've made it as a black belt soulbound so you can't trade it and you can't sell it um yeah that's step one 
you know, and then I could go into it for hours, all the other crazy ideas I had, but that was just a, a simple, nice one, which you could be like, yeah, so I'm taking for here. Here's a, I'm going to show you those of you who, who are on just the podcast, you're not going to see this. So we made an app, it's called Flow Dojo, and it's on-chain mm -hmm. achievements for every stripe that you get is on-chain on the Flow blockchain. So you're, we created that. So every single idea. time, um, <laughs> and then you just scan a QR code every single class that you come into, and it creates a, a leaderboard and a point system and everything, and we have the videos on there too. So we have all the tutorial videos. Every time you watch them, you get points, Amazing. more and more points, more and more swag, all that stuff. So, like, yeah, we called it Flow Dojo. Great. I knew it was a good idea. We have so much to talk. I'll just send you the document. You can use it. No, it's, it's a beautiful idea. I don't idea. have the time I, to do all this jujitsu. <laughs> I just, I think that what you're on, but though. Yeah, I'll send you the ideas. Uh, what you're on, though, is, is something important in Web3. And I, we've talked about it before with a few other guests are these soulbound tokens for... Uh, on-chain achievements and those of you who are not familiar and you didn't listen to the other podcast shame on you first off go back and listen to them secondly soulbound tokens are specific to your particular wallet address so you can't sell them you can't transfer them they're they're specific to your wallet and why that's important is you hear awful oftentimes where you know somebody is faking their job resume or credentials or whatever this is something where you can actually prove through the blockchain that you have done these things. And I think that that's the most important piece because we, we're going to inevitably, we're going to lose the documents. They're going to get during moving, they get lost, whatever. This in particular never allows that to happen. So you're always able to pull from those resources. And I think too, like indeed.com think about, I don't know if you guys have indeed.com, but it's like a job searching site. As an employer, all I would have to do is go on to this collection of NFTs, look at all of the um, all of the owners of that particular NFT to figure out who has the job skill set that I want in, in something like that. And I could Second then enough. get in contact with them if we ever get a rightful contact ability through blockchain, <laughs> if we get some sort of um, being able to email them or, or whatever, some sort of secure um, messaging back and forth. I think that soulbound tokens are, are one of the most unique applications of blockchain for education, for job skills, for you name it, um, any type of skill-related activity that you don't want to lose track of. And always have at the at the tip of your fingers. I, I just I really believe in those those that application in particular, and those you can't flip them, you can't sell them, you can't do anything with them. It's just a matter of this is a a document that that lives forever. That's really interesting and already sparking ideas off me. I wonder. I haven't done any research into this. I wonder if there's such a thing as dynamic soulbound tokens, um, as in dynamic nfts which can change you know oh. art wise or whatever that's you know, a pixel it would be interesting pixel mix. If, well he kind of you kind of did one oh, of yeah. these, didn't you one that changes over time i thought that, yes yeah. yeah i'm i'm working on a, a few different things for sure but 
Solban, what I mean, interesting was what you were saying is I wonder, for example, um, let's say you become a, a doctor and you want to get your medical degree and it's a soul-bound token. But with doctors, you have to, just because you're a doctor 20 years ago, doesn't mean you're fit to practice being a doctor now. So it would need to be updated whether you pay your insurances, whether you go to lectures. I don't know how there's everything, how, how you stay being sure. a doctor. But, you know, a, an NFT that would dynamically change to prove that you are still a practicing doctor. Just ideas, throwing it out there. Anyone can have that idea. <laughs> well, I think it's great because what, what could then happen is you that would then trigger another NFT possibly being attached to that NFT that was already soul bound. We're getting really in the weeds here. Mm. So if you're glazing over, just skip ahead for like 15, 20 seconds. <laughs> yeah. But like I, I, I picture those two NFTs becoming something attached to one another so like you have the your parent mm -hmm. nft and then you have or a slave nft however you want to call it so that that main one that the other ones feed to that could evolve it i wonder mm. yeah because depending on how it's written the image itself um the document it could i mean it could be as simple as it's it's yellow at the beginning and then if you get the next one it's a green one that just kind of goes up in a little checker mm -hmm. box and then you just keep every two years you get these blocks it could be as simple as that mm -hmm. yeah curious exactly. if that could happen ah so many possibilities that's one mm -hmm. thing i love about web3 and it's it's the reason i really I do believe in it. I you know it's it's interesting over the Same. last few years I've had there's there's obviously been um with with so when I've had some success and people and people have known locally um you know oh I've seen you doing really well and then and then they'll, they'll ask me about it and and then with the you know the highs of NFTs when everything's you know in a bull market everything's going well and and then it's interesting to see it when it's in a low and in a, in a bear market and and you're like, oh, are you still doing that? I thought that was dead. You know, you know, and it's interesting, everyone's perception of it. Some people, and then, you know, then you see huge brands come in, like even recently with Louis Vuitton and everything. It's interesting to see, like, I just, I can't see it going away. I can't, I and mean, even, I'm even more supportive of it now, especially with now it's the rise of AI. And that's a whole other conversation and rabbit hole, whether whatever you believe in and have feelings towards. But what I do think though, is no matter how you feel about AI, it's still coming, but no matter how you feel about it, the most important thing that's going to eventually come from that is, is authenticity and, and proving who is what and who is real and who is not real and who did this and who did that. And, and blockchain kind of solves a lot of that. So, you know, Web3 and the blockchain isn't going away, especially with the rise of NFT, um, AI, sorry. So yeah, it's, um, it's exciting times, there's especially a, like being in it for, no camera. There's, there's a, there's a craving for, I think we see it across all cultures and across the world, frankly, is this craving for transparency and in, in a real way of just, the, everybody wants to know where things come from and what the, what the, what the origination point is of something for whether it be our food or, you know, who wrote this, like who actually said this, is this what was actually said? You know, there's this overarching craving mm -hmm. for that connection to, to the origination of things. And I think that that's probably one of the most um, 
basic but biggest reasons why I don't think Web3 will go anywhere. It, and, and I think it'll become more popular when accessing that transparency becomes more intuitive and less complicated um, as we evolve, you know, the access points, you know, as the technology grows and we all learn more and we make it way more accessible for people. But I'm curious, um, mm -hmm. you mentioned AI as an artist, as a musician and an artist, you're you're an overarching artist. Um, I was asked this question at a conference recently that I spoke at is, you know, is AI going to take your job because I'm an attorney? And I had an answer for that. Um, so I'll ask you, is AI going to take your job? Mm. Well, it's it's interesting. And I am I am. I feel like with AI, I am both sides of the fence. And it, and it's not it's just because I need to still do more research and still play with it more. I am both excited for it and terrified about it in both both aspects. Is it coming from my job as a musician? Yeah. Is it coming from my job as an artist? It's coming for them. Absolutely. Have you seen the incredible art pieces and AI artists there are out there? You know, I haven't seen... I've seen like the AI um, people using... I'll start with music. That will be easier to explain. Well, not easy, but I'll start with that. Um, AI music. I think that once I've heard so far, um, I've heard, I've seen people, including my fiance, has used ChatGPT to write lyrics. The lyrics I've seen aren't perfect. Um, some of them are okay, and they're a good starting point, great as a tool. But for the majority, I've the musicians that I've experimented with them have actually had to tailor it and to make it good or better. But, you know, AI is improving all the time and maybe it won't be the case where it just spits out the most incredible lyrics of all time. There you go. To make that into a song, that's something different. Um, the AI kind of music generation I've seen isn't perfect. I've seen some studies where they kind of replicate like Mozart and other things and, and it's even hard for music historians to tell the difference, which is scary. Um, I think that at the moment it's not there. I still think you need that human touch and you need that human something human coming into it so i don't think it's there yet i am a big fan of hard work um so that's what scares me you know i've been playing music for 20 years and i have practiced my ass off to be the bass player i am and if someone can come in and just write in a couple of words and get an incredible bass line and just and it sounds as good as me playing it and it is everything that scares me because what do they need me for? I think what will happen is both in the creativity side of things, um, you'll you'll probably end up seeing the process become more valuable after a while. So the process of creating a piece of artwork, the process of recording, and um, that will be interesting. I think I don't think live music will go away. I think there's something special about being in a room with the energy of of a band or someone or even a DJ, like some someone there, you know giving the energy, I think that's not going to go anywhere, really. Um, if anything, that will become people's main source. But there's AI at the moment is a great tool. I know some really interesting people using it as a tool. For example, songwriters being able to, if you are writing a song for Adele, let's say, and you have written a great song, but you want to send it to a publisher and pitch it to her, essentially, um, you know, sometimes it's hard. If you're a male vocalist and you've written a song, you might not be able to get that Adele kind of, um, vibe through it but now you can just essentially get Adele's voice through AI and have her actually 
AI sing on the song and send it to her. And then her publisher or Adele herself goes, actually, yeah, this sounds amazing. This is a great song. I can totally hear myself singing this. So as a tool, you can really pitch it to big artists. And um, that's interesting. Um, in, yeah, I could go on this for ages, but you know what I think is, is interesting. Is it coming? I think it's interesting what you just said. There, there's something yeah. you said that connected for me and it, and what it is, is like, AI is going to be able to generate a lot of stuff, but it's the same thing that when we had, um, when we were experiencing the influx of auto tune being used in vocal recordings of artists, mm -hmm. We got so used to kind of some manufactured sounds to a certain ex ex to a certain extent from a consumer perspective that that's why the show like The Voice became so popular. And it's because that sort of manufactured aspect of the art form gave us a bigger appreciation for the real deal. So I think to your point, just by needing musicians mm. in the room for live music and everything else, I think something that AI that, that's positive that will come from it if art and music are being generated in that way, I think it could have an uh, have a pendulum effect as well eventually. Once we get over the novelty of like, oh my God, a computer made that. That's crazy. I think once we get past that, I think that it it will also it could spark a whole new artist re renaissance musically and in art because we will have this newfound okay. deep appreciation for the real deal especially because there's something that I know about artists and I'm not I'm not I I've played music but I'm not I don't consider myself a musician anymore but I will say this when you are a musician and it is you assign it to your purpose. There's something that happens when a musician or an artist is doing their thing. And it's watching a person self-actualize right in front of your face. It is, it is, if you're looking for it and you know it, and that's what, that's what makes me appreciate musicians so much when I see live performances is because I'm watching this display of purpose just exude in front of me in such an energetic magnetic way that it's unavoidable you can't manufacture that absolutely and to that point sometimes the mistakes and the imperfections are what makes the music and all the art or whatever creative outlook it is sometimes that is the like uh, I, I can think of countless examples one that comes to mind all the time is um it's a rolling stones track i think it's give me shelter and the singer there i can't remember her name um, she's incredible and there's a part where her voice cracks and it breaks and it's you know it's technically shouldn't do that that's not what you should do but it sounds incredible and like so that that is something thing but here's here's where i get scared what if ai can just do that what if it gets so good that you can just type in make a little imperfection here or do this and what if it's the result what if it gets to the point where it's just inextinguishable from the best music out there what scares me you know is is then it becomes i think this is would be right it become if you if the if the result of ai is just incredible music you can type in anything and it comes out with the songs and it's amazing and, and things it then becomes about the best marketers not about the best musicians it becomes about um you know it's already hard enough for us to deal with you know everything that is in the music industry but now we have to compete with 
Hendrix again and we have to compete with, you know, um, James Brown again and Michael Jackson because they're all coming back with AI. You know, now it's, uh, and it's the marketers there, you know, everyone loves Michael, ja uh, Michael Jackson as in, well, just get, let's go over whatever you think of it as a person. But in terms of his music, you know, he's mm -hmm. one of the, the pop legends of all time. So to have um, him be back through AI or any musician, you know, Kurt Cobain, you know, Kurt Cobain's coming back through AI at some point. I'm going to have to compete with him as a musician, as an upcoming musician. Instead of, it's about marketing. Well, then, instead of know, thinking about it as competition, I think what you talked about is possible collabs. And, and I thought that that was really interesting. So like, that's cool. I think that what if you could sing with Jimi Hendrix or sing with this person, like it's unlimited potential of possibilities then of you being with these legends and creating a legend yourself by collabing. I, I think that that's a, it's just like a really interesting thing. And then to uh, Alyssa, to your point was, I think that it really does. And, and uh, Jay, to your point earlier, these intangibles, it, because the talent is the commodity and the AI is able to maximize the commodity of it, but it's the intangible pieces that it's not able to, to do. Maybe not yet. Maybe it does someday. However, the live performances, the like you were talking about, the voice cracks and those types of things where the human element and our inability to be away from each other. And we went through this in 2020, 2021, whenever we were all secluded from each other and how much we've really doubled down on going to concerts and being around people and doing these things with each other. We have this inherent as humans, we just want to be with each other. And I don't think the um, AI can replace that desire, that sort of uh, that that long rooted history of us just needing to be in communities, live performances. I don't think it takes that away. I just don't think it can. I agree. Yeah. And that's why I think, so to, to answer the question long way around, I don't think it's AI is coming from my job as a musician anytime soon, because yeah. I still can play live and I still can have that. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, in terms of my recording, who knows? But it's interesting. I don't know. I just don't know is the answer. So what in do terms you have? Of, is it coming from my job? As a, yeah. No. So what what do you have going on now? Um, you know, what's the, what's the near term? What's your summer look like? And what, what do you have going on uh, throughout the rest of the year? It's a good year so far. Um, 2023 we are in now, and I've been very lucky to have a, a really good year so far. So we, we were in last, sorry, in April, we were in a very cool story, actually. I should definitely tell, tell the story. Tell it. We were, I was very lucky. I was very, very lucky to have my art selected um, to be displayed in Times Square. And um, that was a big deal for me, um, you know, two years in the space. And it kind of felt like a, a validation, if almost, you know, like, um, so yeah, I got, I got that message, um, end of last year and I booked all my flights and, and, and yeah, I went to New York and I spoke with them, my partner, Emily, who came with me and I saw my artwork up in Times Square and, and then I was in, and it was a wild feeling, you know, huge, huge, one of the you know coolest places to, to have artwork be displayed. And then it was in, um, and a Manhattan gallery as well. And like, I went down there and it was there and I was like, wow, it's actually there. And I, and then it was with the incredible, uh, Randy Zuckerberg and, and Deb soon and, and their team of, and Michael and their team called hugs, which have been incredible. And, um, Emily and I've been working with them for, 
for many months. Oh, they're amazing. And um, so they had their um, their gallery down in um, Manhattan, and they're always exhibiting incredible things. So anyone listening and you're an artist, please check out Hugs. Uh, I think it's the Hug XYZ roughly around then. And um, so that was very, very cool. And the story, that's not the story. Um, the story actually is that whilst we were in um, New York, um, my fiance, Emily Faye, she is incredible. She, we've been together nine years now and she is, she's a kind of country pop art musician, artist. And whilst we were there, we, we saw a post from Gary Vee um, on Instagram saying, anyone in New York around this time, any emerging musicians, go check this out. And I followed Gary V for a while. Anyone in Web3 knows Gary V. And um, what happened was I, I was like, well, we, we had this crazy week because it was like anyone who's been to NFT NYC knows that it's like you've got the incredible conference in the daytime. And then after that, it's all about the satellite events. And then you're always get, hopping from event to event. And we were staying a bit outside of the city. So it was like it was leave at the house at 8 a.m. and come back at 2 and then repeat for like <laughs> five days. So. It's, yeah. So in the morning of the Saturday, it, it was like we just got back at two or three in the morning. I can't even remember where we were. And um, we weren't even drinking that much. It was just a, we were just late. And in the morning, we had this kind of, we found out from Gary Vee on a, on a, a post um, for Gala Music. And Gala Music, they were doing an open mic uh, in New York. And I heard about it. So we were like, Emily, we've got to do this. You know, we're, this is our thing. And, but it, w- it was like 10 in the morning and we would have had to leave at like eight in the morning. And we were like, oh, we've got another event. And so we almost missed this open mic. I don't know if anyone knows that we almost missed it, but we did. So we had to, we went to another event in the daytime to um, support some, some friends and artists. And then we were like, oh, it's two o'clock. We should, and it's still, well, let's hope it's still open. We, we, you know, trained it across to um, Brooklyn. And in our minds, an open mic is, a rubbish stage with broken guitars and it, and it, and you know we all pay our dues there for sure but it, it's it's just what it is and this wasn't that it was a like gorgeous like cool brooklyn like studio it there was like i don't know maybe eight camera crew there there were their lawyers there were the gala team there was they were so lovely and it was it was such a great vibe and we're like oh wow this is much different than we thought and um we were the end of the day um and they'd had you know artists and and musicians kind of play at this open mic all day and um emily who's amazing she had already signed up so they were like yeah yeah, we're still doing it we're here till five so we were very lucky we and and uh i'm gonna say this and i'm obviously very biased here but she got up on stage and she smashed it. She just absolutely like I saw everyone's reaction. They loved her. She was amazing. She she played one of her songs, and then they yeah then they asked her to play another, and it was really like we had a great feeling from it straight away. We obviously didn't know, but we had a great feeling. And yeah, we were we left New York and we actually went down to North Carolina that week just to have a little reset. And we were in the mountains and we were on the lake and just completely away from technology. And we found out that Emily actually made it into the final, this top five of this kind of open mic. And then we found out she won. So she won this Garland Music um, open mic. And we didn't know what that meant. And then we found out that she was then playing the main stage at VCon in Lucas Oil Stadium in front mm-hmm. of thousands and thousands of people. And it was like, this is wild. And Gala, you know, they flew Emily out from the UK and they were so like they were just the nicest people and they were so supportive 
like from day one. So yeah, she got to play this incredible stadium and um, it was wild. It was such a good adventure. And we met, uh, we met Bucks, the CEO of Gala Music. And one thing I will say to complete, first of all, she's amazing. Like I watched her chat with Timberland and, and an incredible artist at the thing. And she was just, she's, she's so supportive of artists. She speaks so well. And she's some, someone who's going to be an absolute force for the music industry. And at the same time, I also saw her on that same day wearing her incredible outfit, her costume with a big heavy head, walking around, handing out flyers and getting people to sign up one by one. Like she didn't need to do that as a CEO. So that was, um, I, I have so much respect for Garland Music and Bucks in particular. Um, so yeah, that was to go into this moment, what we're up to this year is is that Emily, you know, I've just been in the recording studio yesterday, um, recording bass fat, some of Emily's tracks. So we're doing a lot of that over the summer. We are um, gigging a lot. I I still work as an IRL as a musician, so I work here in the weekends, gigging over in the Channel Islands, sometimes in the UK, sometimes in Europe, depending. So a lot of music stuff, art every day. I still do art every day. Um, that's how kind of how I got into Web three pandemic my music career went on pause and i painted every day and i got very lucky and and then i listened to a podcast with um podcasts actually mm -hmm. conveniently enough pod listening to podcasts got me gave me a web3 career so anyone listening to this right now it could give you a web3 career um what happened to me was very quickly i'll just brush over the story but i was sitting in the back garden at Emily's place in, in England, listening to Jackass, um, Steve-O from Jackass, his podcast called um, Steve-O's Wild Ride, and he had Mark Cuban on. And um, I was listening to him, and they, that's that's how I found out about NFTs. They were talking about it, and I and I had already done a 100-piece collection I'd done before even learning about NFTs. I painted this abstract piece in the, in the pandemic. And I went there, and I minted everything, and I made tons of mistakes, and I jumped into Web3 super quickly and learned over it. But a couple months later... My art started to sell. And then in October 2021, Sema asked me a question, how did you, you know, get into Web3? And I told them about that podcast. And I put a tweet out and Mark Cuban messaged me and said, I really love your artwork. And he shared it to his 9 million followers. And all my loads of my artwork sold within an hour. And that's when I realized, wow, this is crazy. Um, and and it was wild. It was such a crazy experience. And I was teaching a lesson at the time. I was teaching, I think I was teaching ukulele and my phone just exploded and I just get all these incredible sales messages. I would get all these people messaging me like this has happened. I'm like, what? I had to say to my student, I'm so sorry. I'm going to have to like, just give me one second. <laughs> and um, that's kind of how, how my Web3 um, career kicked off. So Mark Cuban did that just with one tweet. And what that did, it kind of gave me um, credibility in the space. And that's, uh, it goes on over to a few of your points you made before um, in terms of confidence and stuff that, that having a credibility and, and just confidence in yourself helps you approach people. And um, yeah, that just, you've given I me would personal say, inspiration with that story. I'm going to tell you why. So tell me, I'd, so I work for a, a, a technology company and we are in mm -hmm. late seed round. So we're about to be series a ish, but we're still in seed round. And I made a decision last year before we started our big raise that we were going to start adding Mark Cuban to our distribution list for investment. So mm -hmm. 
What that tells me is Mark Cuban pays attention sometimes, right? And it just takes one guy with a huge following or one guy or woman, one woman, one person paying attention who has a big influence that can make or break somebody. And, and it's so exciting because it's that it's just so cool. So I just want to like, as an aside, thank you very much for the motivation and the encouragement to continue to putting Mark Cuban on our email list. Absolutely. I will say I've never actually had a conversation with Mark Cuban. It was simply, I mean, a real life conversation, just a few tweets back and forth. Um, And that's it. And you're right. He he genuinely changed my life. I would love to one day find a way to just say, thanks very much. That was, I really appreciate that. Um, And I, I, and by the way, that's something as well as Web3. I didn't have a lot. I think I had under 200 followers at the time. You know, that's literally nothing in Twitter. And he didn't need to do that. And he did. And it was, and and it was life changing for me, really. And that's one thing Web3 does is it's crazy how many opportunities are out there. And it's, again, it's putting yourself out there. It's a lot of luck, um, a lot of hard work. And sometimes a little bit of some magic happens. So I hope Mark Cuban listens to this and and invests in in all of the whatever you're working on. Mark Cuban is a longtime listener of Growth Mindset Moment. (laughs) Longtime listener writes me every week. (laughs) Yeah, he's manifesting that. That's what he's doing right now. That's manifestation. I can't think of a better way to end it. Um, That that right there, that was that last little bit of information, that last little bit of uh, advice. I think that is that's the sauce. So, is there anything else you'd like to get across to our listeners? Anything you'd like to plug? Um, go listen to Emily Fay. She's amazing. Uh, um, plug in wise. Well, I mentioned briefly uh, our project. Um, it, that's called at. It's called a one hundred years of women, and on Twitter that is at years of women. Um, you. That's a very special project to us. Um, and we're just really proud of it. It's um, it's a small hundred piece project. The art it took eleven months. It's a hundred songs. We actually recorded a hundred songs, and Emily wrote lyrics to a hundred songs. And it generally took so much. And I painted two hundred and fifty something pieces to create the hundred art pieces of animated art, like physical big abstract pieces. And it's just a lot of labor of love. And and one thing that we're doing, the reason for the project is it's really Emily's kind of labor of love. It's um, she's a big advocate of getting more women into music and producing and everything. And she champions it so much. So um, the point of this project really is to we I think we've sold half around close to half. Um, which is amazing in this market. We're super proud. Yeah. And the point is we are using uh, a percentage of those funds to commission more uh, women in the music industry, in the art industry, and then and then use those pieces to give to holders and, and just support. It's really Emily. I'm just kind of advocating for her, but it's just to support more women in, in the creative spaces, really. So, yeah, that, that's, I would love to plug that. And, and, and also come, come say hello on Web3 and Instagram, and I'm always happy to chat and, and DM and... And any artists out there, I'm happy to give advice. I'm I'm not the, uh, I mean, I've done okay myself, but uh, I can do, I can see what I can do to help. So, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jay. I appreciate your time today. Alyssa, is there anything else that you'd like to talk about? No, Guys, thank you so much. Thank you so me. much for sharing so much of your journey with us and about your art and Emily's, Emily's work. It's just such a pleasure to get to talk to people like you um, out in the world and especially in Web3. So thank you. 
Guys, thank you so much for having me. What a fun! I honestly could chat for another four or five hours. We didn't really, we barely touched jujitsu, let alone everything else. I know. We're just gonna have to go. We're gonna have to just take a trip out to see you and Emily, and just uh, <laughs> hang out on the beach and then go roll. How about it? One hundred percent. We'll do a live in person podcast next time. Let's right. do it. Sounds good. Thank you for staying here until the very end. If you would do us a favor and leave a comment or a review wherever you downloaded or streamed this podcast from, that goes a long way to help us spread the word about growth mindset. If you're a Web3 native or looking to get started, you can catch us over at Twitter on Tuesday nights where we host the Twitter Spaces at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard. There are unique surprises for those of you who attend those shows in addition to our podcast here. It's a Rug Radio production. Until next time, enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey.